0: You wanna feel like a superhero? Go out and play sports with your kids. Cause you're so big, you're gonna be great at it no matter what, you can't fail, you're bigger than all of them. And they're gonna love that you're there. And they are so excited to play. Even my 16 year old son now, we play football and you know, he tries to tackle me and take me down but he still can't, eventually someday he will. It's just a great time to be out together as a family.
1: Today on Made for Love, sports and family life. Physical activity is a great way to develop virtue. And you can learn lots of life lessons by being on a team. Today we'll hear from a couple families for whom sports play a role, a hockey goalie who is also a bishop, and an Ohio State University basketball player turned religious sister. Stay tuned! This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. And yes, I have a bit of laryngitis. It's true. We begin with Steve Splonskowski talking about playing sports with his family.
0: Just from the, the moment you walk out of the house and you say to the kids, let's go play football or let's go play basketball or let's go play dodgeball or whatever. The kid's like, are you going to play dad yet? Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just like, oh, dad's going to do something. Our oldest are 16 and our youngest has now just turned eight. Imagine the different levels of, of athleticism in there. And one of the things we do to say, okay, first of all, when we pick teams, we pick the youngest ones first so that they don't feel left out and so they feel important. And then when we play, we need to make sure that they are getting the opportunity to be a part of the team teach them how to do handoffs and to run with the ball. It's an amazing You just to watch them grow and to watch the little ones, each personality of each, uh, each of our children, to really just blossom and see their competitive nature, their very generous nature, and sometimes, you know, our human nature where we get frustrated and to work through that within the game. But it's just a great opportunity, I think, uh, to teach virtue.
1: The Splonskowskis don't keep score when they play, at least not out loud.
0: Their second set of twins, their two girls, they're so small, but you can hand them the ball, and they have the funniest and craziest moves. that mm-hmm. they can get into that end zone right past my 16-year-old son. I mean, it's just <laughs> hilarious. They get so excited when they can take it to the end zone. So every once in a while, at a kickoff, I'll take the kickoff, and I just barrel down the field, going, Wah! and all the kids come running, <laughs> you know, just like we're taking dad down and they drag me to the ground before I can get to the end zone.
1: Sports can be a magnet for families, bringing people together.
0: Every time we go to a family gathering, we will have huge crowds of kids that come over and play. I mean, we just play football or even we've been at some parks where it's just our family and other kids are in the park like, hey, can we play football with you guys too? Sometimes the teams are crazy, you know, you're like 20 against 20, it gets a little more challenging to get everybody involved, but it's a magnet of joy.
1: Sports can also help young people develop virtues that will carry them through life.
2: So I have noticed that in religious life, whenever trials come or maybe even questioning like, oh, is this where I'm supposed to be? It has brought me like a foundational piece with just pushing through and persevering. And I think that a lot of that comes from being in sports and learning how to push through those difficult things.
1: This is Sister Xavier.
2: So my name is Sister Xavier. I'm a sister of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, based in Alton, Illinois.
1: Sister Xavier hardly remembers a time before playing basketball.
2: I know I've been playing basketball pretty much as long as I could walk. Um, There's a picture of me on the beach in diapers holding a basketball. So I like to joke that I started doing sprints on the beach whenever I was like two.
1: (laughs) The whole family played sports, and it was a priority.
2: My house always equipped with a basketball hoop, we had what was called a a Gorilla, which is one of the nicer outdoor basketball hoops. And just to tell you how much my family cared about basketball, my older brother gave up going on the eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. in order to get the basketball hoop. (laughs) So it was like a trade-off, because we didn't have enough money for both, so he picked basketball instead of being able to go to D.C.
1: Her extended family also got involved.
2: Anytime I would get together with any of my cousins for like a family reunion, we always would have dunk competitions or we'd play like tip 21. So we'd just lower the rim just a little bit so we could all dunk and we'd work on our skills that we didn't typically use in a game. But pretty much any time there was a, a hoop and a ball around, I would be playing basketball with whoever was available to be
1: playing basketball. Sister Xavier's younger sister pointed out recently that she never experienced a regular family vacation like other kids, only traveling to sports tournaments. Sister's mom never played, but always offered her support. Her dad was more vocal.
2: I don't think my dad has ever been quiet watching a sports game, (laughs) especially whenever his children were playing. Um, He was one of those parents where you'd be playing in the game, and you'd be like, oh, man, Dad, just be quiet. (laughs) By the time I was playing for Ohio State, He was a little more calm.
1: Sister Xavier says that she learned about perseverance by playing basketball. She also learned how to value the unique contributions of teammates.
2: I think one thing that is easy to see, like, has transferred from sports to religious life, or even just life in general, is learning that everyone on the team has a a job to do. And if I'm doing my job, it frees the other person to do their job. If they're doing their job, it frees me to do my job. So if everyone learns how to work hard and really strive for that excellence in their particular role, then it builds up the whole team.
1: For Sister, this applies to religious life.
2: If you are assigned to a particular apostolate that maybe you don't like, (laughs) which can happen, if you say yes to the Lord and surrender to doing that role, then it really does build up the whole community and build up the whole mystical body of Christ. So the the team is kind of a microcosm for the mystical body of Christ.
1: As the saying goes, practice makes perfect. You can't become an Ohio State player without hours of repetitive practice.
2: Well, whenever I was in high school, I would spend my study halls shooting free throws. There's at least an hour a day. I I don't know. I mean, it's like countless
1: Sister Xavier has some words for college athletes.
2: It's hard, you know, especially if you're surrounded by people who tend to not care. But I know there's normally really good Christian outreaches towards athletes. Varsity Catholic would be the Catholic form of it, but there's this thing called Athletes in Action, which is, I think it's non-denominational, but they minister to all sorts of athletes. And I found actually at Ohio State that that was also a good atmosphere and Just a good community.
1: And specifically, Sister is concerned for female athletes in a competitive culture that doesn't value their particular capacities.
2: From my own observation and from talking with other women who have played Division I sports or maybe even in the professional world, just the crisis of femininity within the sports world, I personally think that a lot of it comes from women's sports being masculinized. We're always pushed to compete like the boys, and we're always pushed to to be stronger and faster and and all these different things. I've just come to discover how much beauty there is whenever a woman plays as a woman and is able to enter into her femininity on the court. So you might be thinking, well, what the heck does that look like? (laughs) From my own personal uh, experience, it looks like each woman trying to be excellent for the Lord instead of beating the person next to them. It has to do with cooperation and excelling in the ways that God has made us to excel and not trying to compete with each other like on our team and all the drama that can come within women's sports. I think a lot of it can be decreased if each person is living authentically in her own femininity and learning how to to nurture the gifts of her teammates and draw out the beauty of the people around her and just accepting like we will never be men. So we shouldn't try to compete like them. And we will be better if we embrace the ways that we have been gifted to work together and to compete in an authentic way.
1: She encourages athletes to remember that they are not defined by their success or failure on the court or on the field.
2: People have those aha moments and understand that their identity is so much more than their success on or off the court only through prayer. It really has to come from the Lord and learning their identity from the Lord himself and just seeing how good they are, no matter if they succeed or fail.
1: Here's another athlete who found that his skills transferred to another part of life.
3: Uh, Coach Kleeman taught me a great deal about how to be a bishop. The whole thing of working with people, coordinating programs, t- scheduling conflicts, and trying to get people to work together, and in sports, you know, I was a referee too, or an umpire for baseball games, you've got disagreements, and, and you're trying to navigate all of that and get people to get along with each other.
1: This is Bishop Pat from the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois.
3: I started playing hockey when I was in grade school. I played with my brothers in the basement below the pharmacy. We would make goalie nuts out of the boxes. Floor hockey, so we were just wearing gym shoes and playing with my six brothers, and kids from the neighborhood would come over, and especially Saturday afternoons, we almost had sort of our own little floor hockey league there. And I remember them asking if uh, if somebody wanted to play goalie. So I said, sure, I'll try it out. Well, then ever since then, I really have enjoyed playing goalie, and that's how I got my start as the holy goalie.
1: <laughs> Bishop Papaki says that one of the best parts of being a goalie is that you get to play the whole game.
3: So you're in there, and you're you're in the center of the action. As exciting and satisfying as it is to score a goal, it's just as exciting and satisfying to make a save. And you don't score a goal every game, but you'll as a goalie, you'll certainly make at least a few saves, I hope, every game you don't make them all.
1: The bishop is also a runner. He has run 23 marathons. He's planning to run three more so that he has 26 marathons of 26.2 miles. He says that he hated running at first, but took it up to stay healthy. Then he and his brother ran a marathon together.
3: I was with my brothers. We had just played hockey, and we were out for some pizza. We were talking about New Year's resolutions. And they got to me, and I just sort of blurted out, I said, I'm thinking about running a marathon next year. And my youngest brother was next to me, and he was next, and he said, well, that's funny. I'm thinking about doing the same thing. So that was sort of like throwing down the gauntlets, like, oh, no, he's serious about this. Do so we started training independent of each other, although we did do some training runs together. Then we ran our very first marathon, the 1995 Chicago Marathon. We ran it together.
1: So how did that first one go?
3: When you finish your first marathon, your reaction is, I don't ever want to do that again. It's exhilarating on the one hand, but it's, it's so draining on the other that you're totally drained. And you say, I don't want to do that again. But then something funny happens. So within a couple of weeks, I found myself getting antsy and like, I have to get out and run. And so I did, and I'd get back into running. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I'll do another marathon. Maybe I can run it faster next time.
1: Bishop Paprocki has run marathons all over the world. But his favorite is Boston.
3: That's the big goal because it's the one where you have to qualify for it. So if you've gone to Boston, you know that you've achieved something.
1: So what virtues does Bishop Paprocki think are developed through sports?
3: Very basic human virtues. Perseverance, patience, confidence is uh, very important. So believe in the abilities that God gave you. In fact, the word confidence comes from fide. The middle of the word is with faith. Con is with faith. God gave you talents and abilities. Have faith in God and faith in yourself. Perseverance, especially if like for marathon running, obviously you have to have a great deal of endurance and perseverance. And patience in order to, to be out there for several hours, courage, fortitude.
1: He actually wrote a book about this called Holy Goals. He talked about facing the fear of failure.
3: Most people would think that what you're afraid of would be that hard puck coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Well, that gets your adrenaline going, but you know, I've I've had injuries, I've had stitches, you know, even with my equipment on, i have getting cut and a broken finger and a knee surgery and things like that. That doesn't keep me from going out there. It's like, all right, you heal up and you go back out and play again. The goalie's biggest fear? Giving up goals. <laughs> Playing goalie is the only position where, it's the only thing in life really, where if you make a mistake, a red light goes off and everybody knows it. It's like, oh look, the goalie let in a goal. Imagine you're working, you're sitting at your desk and you make a mistake and a red light and a horn starts playing, ha ha, you made a mistake. In sports, you face failure all the time. I use the analogy of baseball. The best hitter of all time, Ted Williams with a 401 batting average. What does that translate to? That translates to failing six times out of 10. A pretty good hitter in the major leagues today is a 300 hitter. That's failing seven times out of 10. So if you're gonna play baseball and you don't like failing, you're not going to get very far because you're going to fail seven times out of ten.
1: As a spectator, Bishop Paprocki witnessed one of the greatest comebacks in hockey.
3: Watching a Blackhawk game. My brother Joe and I were at a game. It was uh, at the beginning of the 2010 season when they they won the Stanley Cup that year, but we didn't know that going into the season. We didn't know how good they were going to be. They were playing Calgary and they gave up five goals within the first ten minutes. It was just amazing. And we're down five to nothing, 10 minutes into the game. And my brother and I were thinking, well, maybe we should just go home. <laughs> this isn't going to be a very good game. But we decided to stay. I mean, for one thing, there were good seats. And we, you know, we didn't want to waste the money on those seats. So we thought, well, we'll stick around. Well, the Blackhawks scored at the end of the first period. So it was five to one. They scored in the second period. So it's five to two. Then they scored three goals in the third period. One of them, they tied the game near the end of the game. They tied the game, so it ended in regulation 5-5, five to five, and then they won in overtime.
1: Of course, Bishop Paprocki has had a few injuries as a hockey goalie.
3: The time I got hit in the forehead, I was already Bishop of Springfield, and I was back up in Chicago playing in a men's league, and towards the end of the game, I, got the, I took a shot in the mask. It didn't knock me down. I was still on my feet, but as soon as it hit me, I had the feeling that I was cut. So the referee comes over, and he looks, and he says, you have to have stitches. So my teammates drove me down to Loyola Medical Center in Maywood. It was funny, because I had already been in Springfield for a couple of years, but that was in my region where I used to be auxiliary bishop. So it's about midnight, and I walk into the emergency room with a towel on my forehead, and the receptionist recognized me. And she said, Bishop, what are you doing here at this hour? <laughs> and I just, I had the towel. I said, well, you know, I need some stitches, I think. I says, oh, okay.
1: But things like that haven't stopped him. Even today, the bishop coaches the hockey goalies at the Catholic high school. He reminds the kids to put sports into the proper perspective.
3: I think it's really important to keep sports in their proper perspective. And it might sound a little surprising coming from someone like me who's been such a big proponent of the connection between sports and God and faith. But I think precisely because of that, I love sports a lot. But I also love my faith a lot. And growing up, those were like the two big pillars of involvement, going to church and going to sporting events or participating in sporting events. Because I look at our culture today, I think it's not the kind of balance that I felt as a child. I think we have really gone way overboard and the importance that we place on sports. Yes, we want to win, but the more important thing is to have fun.
1: Now we'll hear a story about a more unlikely athlete.
4: Hello, my name is Jean Canavan. I was married almost 11 years ago on March 17th, and I have two daughters, both of whom are adopted, 11-year-old Veronica and 3-year-old Victoria. Jean's daughter, Veronica, is a girl with the soul of an athlete. My daughter, Veronica, was born with spina bifida, so my husband and I discerned adopting a special needs daughter. And we had this image in our mind of, oh, you know, we're going to have a special needs daughter. She's going to sit in a wheelchair and wheel herself around and smile and read a book and do a puzzle. And I remember flying over to Poland to adopt her. And I had this thought in my head because I wasn't even sure how well she walked. And it's kind of hard. We hadn't met her. And I remember thinking in my head, it's just very sad for me to think about having a daughter who can't run and I remember even crying a little bit on the plane and in my mind I had this image of me at her age because we adopted her when she was four almost five running after my father in the field and my sister was chasing me and we were trying to catch up to my dad and the sun was shining and the wind was blowing and just this feeling of utter joy like maybe i could just keep running and run right into heaven and everything in the world was fine and i remember thinking that and then tears were just coming to my eyes on the plane and i was like my daughter will never run my daughter will never run i think i was processing the fact that she was born with a disability and i was grieving that even though i had never met her and when colin and i went to the children's home We were waiting in this room and we were wondering when we would meet Veronica. We call her V and we were looking at each other like, I wonder when she's coming. And then all of a sudden someone stood up and they said, we will bring the child now. And we heard this child coming and we were like, what? Heard this screaming and this kicking. And we were like, oh my goodness, (laughs) what monster is coming down the hall? And she was being held when they brought her in, but it was clear she was like very energetic, very independent, and she didn't want to have anything to do with us. Well, the first thing she did was kick so hard the caretaker put her down and I remember standing up and looking down the hall and she's looking back at me just running away as fast as she could. And I remember just crying and smiling and thinking, my daughter does run.
1: Spina bifida is a neurological disorder that affects the muscle tone and movement in Veronica's legs.
4: I looked at Colin at that point when I saw her running down the hall and I said, I think we have an athlete on our hands. When she came home, we noticed right away she was always moving. She always wanted to play. She was more interested in soccer and basketball, throwing the ball, football, than reading a book or sitting around. And we were just so surprised. Colin in particular was surprised. And he was like, I just I never had any idea.
1: Jean couldn't find anywhere for her to play that would fit into the family schedule.
4: And I prayed for a year. And every time I prayed, I would say, you're God. You're God. You can do it. But then at the same time, I was reaching out to people, trying to call, trying to email people to see if maybe I could find something that would work. But it was no, no, no. There were like six, seven dead ends, eight dead ends throughout the course of the year. Well so finally, I just said, it's not meant to be. It's not God's will.
1: They finally decided to get Veronica a bike and walked to the nearby bike shop.
4: We go into the shop and there's this nice guy, Chris, there. And he says hello. We say hello. Chris goes to V, oh, so you're on the team. And she said, what? And he goes, the team, do you ride? And she goes, no, I don't don't know what you're talking about. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, what team? And he said, the special Olympics team. And I said, well, how did you know she was special? And he said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, ma'am. And I said, no, I'm not offended. I'm just curious. And he goes, Well, she looks like the Spina Bifida riders. And I was like, whoa, what? And he goes, yeah, look up. And we look up and there's some pictures of special kids riding with this team. And we were just smiling, grinning from ear to ear. And I said, yo, you have no idea. This is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I've been looking for you. And he goes, yeah, this is really weird.
1: Here she is.
4: What about biking, V? How do you feel when you're biking? That hits the spot. Yeah, what does it feel like? It feels like I'm moving my legs like crazy.
1: Jean also discovered a wheelchair basketball league.
4: She's the youngest one on the team, and all the guys, and they're all disabled, different disabilities. They have a really strict way with her, teaching her the rules. Don't go outside this line. Don't whine. Toughen up. And you know what? There is nothing like... A teenager in a wheelchair telling your to now 11 year old daughter to straighten up fly right things able-bodied people shouldn't say to disabled people disabled people can say to disabled people basically stop being a wimp and she thrives on that and they took her under her wing and teach her everything and the fact is she's really good the first game she had they put her in and she made a basket and the whole team was cheering and tomorrow we have a couple games to go to.
1: I love wheelchair basketball. Why, what's so fun about it?
4: I can do double dribbles.
1: (laughs) Is that a special rule?
3: You're not exactly supposed to do double dribble, but it's sort of like double dribble. Because like in wheelchair basketball, you can't just keep dribbling and dribbling. It would hit against the handle on the wheel, obviously. So. What you do is two dribbles, then put it in your lap. For me, I hold it on the chin because my legs are uneven when I go like this. So it rolls off. So I put my chin onto the ball so it stays. And then I reel twice. So dribble twice, wheel twice. The only time when you don't have to wheel twice or dribble twice is when you're gonna shoot. That's when you pretty much It doesn't count as a double dribble.
4: And what does it feel like when you shoot, V?
3: Oh, it's good.
4: And how many times have you gotten baskets? Probably like 20 times. I don't know. Yeah, she's a really good ability to put it up into the basket. Jean shares why she thinks that sports can help us all to unplug. I would say that in terms of theology of the body that we all have a physical part of us and touch and connection is so important. And I think, you can capitalize that with doing sports with your children and your family because it is it's a physical activity you're doing together and I think especially because we have so many kids who are doing the screen time constantly watching movies that sports is a really good remedy God chose to make us in a way where physical activity especially in community whether a team or with a friend is important and i think we can delve into the reasons behind that as we engage in sports and exercise and have conversations about it
1: and she asked her daughter how she felt when she first saw her recumbent bike
0: oh my gosh i was like at peace
1: So what have we learned from this episode? Sports are kind of a natural outlet for the human person, body, and soul. In their proper place, sports can enrich family life. But parents do need to be thoughtful about how much time and money is spent on sports at the cost of other things. That's a judgment call for each family to make for themselves. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.